Lord, we do. It's just that we do precisely what we've been praying about. We give praise to the Father, praise to the Son, praise to the Spirit, one God for all eternity. We thank you for this incredible story that we find woven through this epic book we call the Bible, this meta story, this big story, this overarching story of your profound and relentless love that at great cost to yourself and to your son, you put into place a plan so that all of us might have the opportunity to know you and your goodness and your grace and your mercy and your salvation, your eternal life and your eternal love. And we thank you for this thing called the church that you've entrusted to us under the leadership of your spirit. And we know we um, make a mess of it at times. Uh, history is full of examples. But thank you that you love us enough to invite us with all of our warts and all, faults and all, to come and participate in your mission to redeem all things, the world, creation itself, and people from every nation, tribe and tongue. We praise you, Lord. We bless you. Would you speak to us this morning by your spirit? May may my word somehow become your word, your communication, your talking to us today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Good morning, everyone. Let me add my welcome uh, really quickly to that of uh, Alice and AJ. Thanks to you both um, for hosting and taking us through that. Um, those many points, but particularly around our finances. Really appreciate that. Thank you to everyone uh, who partners with us uh, through a helping fund what we do here. We, we, we appreciate, we don't take it for granted. Many of you give at great cost. So thank you uh, to all who do. Uh, as I say, we love you for it. Hey, a couple of quick preliminaries before the t- clock starts ticking on my sermon time. Um, I'm going to sneak a couple of things in first. Alice mentioned earlier that... Uh, we were going to delay the announcement of our local legend. We're going to do that now. And our local legend for this week is Vanessa Neighbor. Anybody know Vanessa? Oh, okay. Vanessa is, uh, that's almost right, that subheading there. Uh, Vanessa is the president of the Junior Club uh, uh, of the Walls End West Newcastle AFL Swans. So she looks after all the kids' divisions. And uh, the reason that my daughter, Emmy, is in the picture there, uh, photo bomb from, uh, from Emmy, is because actually Vanessa was Emmy's Auskick coach for a few years, uh, back a little while ago. And uh, I, I kind of was trying to tee up with Vanessa to come and present her the flowers and hamper and the certificate and all the things that go with our local legend award each week. Um, but I was trying not to give it away, so I was saying, oh, we just wanted to catch up, say hi, and give you a small something as, as thanks for um, uh, you know, being Emmy's uh, coach. Anyway, of course, when we got there, it was more than just that. It was on behalf of us as a church saying, thank you for serving kids, 
and sport and our local community. Vanessa is also the uh, president, I think, of the Sanctuary Community Committee. So very involved in Fletcher community life generally. I think she runs one of the um, Facebook pages there and uh, has been involved in heading up a number of different events and like community bike rides and all sorts of great things in our community in recent years. Um, but just a little anecdote, uh, the reason Emmy photobombed is that when I text Vanessa and say, oh, we just wanted to come and give you something, by the time we got there, she had gone back through and we had missed Emmy's um, presentation because I think it was after a game on a Sunday morning. We'd missed Emmy's presentation a year or two ago and Vanessa had remembered that she still had Emmy's medal. And so you can kind of see Emmy's got the medal around her. So even as we were going there to... <laughs> To honour her, uh, she'd remembered and presented Emmy with this medal, so that was a nice moment. Thanks to everyone who nominating people for our Local Legends Award. It's just a way of us as a church, uh, if you're visiting with us, it's a way of us saying good on you to people in our local community doing great things. Um, I also just want to honour AJ for his commitment to the church and to this weekend of worship. Um, AJ is a founding pastor here at New Vine and continues to build the foundations uh, of our church spiritually um, and in many other ways as well but particularly through things like this so just want to say thank you for wow that commitment 72 hours on site napping here and there as <laughs> as possible <laughs> well it's wonderful that you're doing it. thank you AJ uh, and again if you're visiting welcome if you are visiting uh, I'm going to be talking a little bit <laughs> this morning about the church which seems a little bit self-indulgent doesn't it uh, if you're not part of our church or the church anywhere um, so I just want to say thanks in advance for kind of putting up with both the finance discussion this morning which wasn't in any way aimed at you if you're uh, a, a visitor with us it was for our church family uh, but also for this part where I talk about the church a little bit um, my experience itself uh, with the church, uh, I didn't grow up in church. I started following Jesus late in high school and I, and I had almost no prior experience with the church. Anyone else sort of like that who, who, you know, before they, maybe later in life, started coming to church, started following Jesus, didn't grow up in the church, didn't have that kind of background? Yeah, okay, I see a few of us in that sort of same situation. Um, but about year 10, I started to find myself at church regularly, largely because of a friend of mine who was unrelentingly persistent in, in inviting me to church. Every Sunday afternoon after lunch, uh, he varied the time a little bit, but that was possibly so, <laughs> so that uh, uh, he caught me off, off guard a little bit. But anyway, he'd vary the time, but he'd always ring me and say, hey, you coming to church tonight? And he made it so easy. He said, my family will come by and pick you up. And we lived out of town. It was a bit of a detour for them. But he came by and, uh, and picked me up. And uh, sometimes uh, I, I just found it hard to excuse myself. So I went along. But over time, <laughs> over time, it rubbed off, as you can tell, right? Um, and, and on the whole, it turned out to be a pretty positive experience at the church. But let me say, it was, it was, a, it was a tiny church. This is not it, actually, but this is just to look at. Um, it was a pretty tiny church. It had none of the, the great music or the great facilities that we have here at New Vine. And um, between you and me, it was, it was so conservative that you could still see the 16th century from the front pew. Um, but what I experienced at that church, the welcome that I received, the welcome that that small group of faithful people showed to a godless goat farming kid uh, from a dead-end dirt road 
changed my life. It was there that I met Jesus. Uh, that kind of journey really is for, is for another time. More to the point, though, for this morning, straight after I finished high school, just a year or two later, I, uh, full of new faith and rookie enthusiasm, I, I joined a Christian band uh, which played in high schools around Australia doing scripture seminars and, and other concerts and things. I loved music and I loved Jesus, so this looked to me like living the dream. Uh, living, working, witnessing to God's goodness, all with other Christians my age. In my mind, it would be like Acts 2 meets Kumboya with rock riffs. It was going to be great. My hopes were so high they almost needed extra oxygen because of the altitude. Now, many of you have already spotted where this is going. Now, to be fair, the first few weeks were fantastic. And when I say the first few weeks, I mean the first hours. Uh, we, uh, we're all on our best behavior. Uh, everyone's putting on their most polished, polite Christian selves. Soon, though, of course, the close quarters and the communal living meant our real selves had nowhere to hide. So, so Kumbaya with rock riffs soon sounded more like a discordant, inharmonious clash of personalities, preferences, and even theologies. Within weeks, we were a hot mess of division, bickering, and bad behavior. In fact, by Easter, one of the team members had been sent home either for a major moral failure. Let's just leave it there at that. <laughs> Wasn't me, by the way, just to clarify in case. Anyway, needless to say that my previous high hopes uh, were now on life support. Uh, for a bright-eyed, bushy-tailed new believer, the shock almost sent my faith into cardiac arrest. And looking back, of course, it was largely a matter of maturity. Um, now, if you're 18 or 19 here today, great to have you with us. I am sure you are way more mature than I was at 18 or 19, or the rest of us were in the band. Um, but certainly those of us then had a lot of growing up to do. And it was enough to shake almost anyone's faith, if not in Jesus, certainly in the church. Now, to be clear, the, a band on tour isn't the church, but in some ways it was, it was kind of like a microcosm of that intensified by the fact that we lived and worked and did everything together. And if you've been uh, on a ship <laughs> uh, ministry or if you've been in YOM or something, you'll, you'll, or in those kind of situations, you'll know what I'm talking about. But let me ask you a personal question uh, today. It's rhetorical. No need to answer out loud. But let me ask you a question. Where are you at with church at the moment? Broadly speaking, the church, let's say, uh, but maybe also our church. Where are you at with church? Maybe you're visiting, so like me way back when, you don't have a lot of prior experience and if that's the case, then I hope you have a fantastic experience today. I hope you feel welcome. I hope you feel uh, like a, a new member of our family. Or maybe you've had lots of experience with the church, but not enough bad ones to kind of shake your commitment to it. Maybe some ups and downs, but you're here and you're here for the long haul. And if that's you, then that's fantastic. God bless you. But maybe you're here hanging on by your fingertips right now. Or maybe you know someone who's just hanging on by their fingertips, reaching out the hand for the emergency exit door. Maybe you've had a bad experience or are having a bad experience. Maybe you look at parts of the church elsewhere and don't recognize anything resembling Jesus. 
anything kind of resembling your own faith and that causes you to question the church. Maybe your faith is on life support. Well, as we continue this So Loved series in which we look at the big story of the Bible through the lens of God's immense and relentless love for the world, here's the pointy end of the problem that I want to tackle today in talking about this thing we call the church. Why, if the church is God's idea and God loves the world, is the church sometimes so tempting to toss in? Why is something meant to be so good sometimes so not so good? By the way, if you have missed the series so far, uh, I, I'm not going to recap it today like I sometimes do. Let me just encourage you to uh, go onto YouTube and you can search uh, New Vine Church. It'll bring up the back series of messages. And I really encourage you to, if you can, go back to the beginning and, and listen to, uh, particularly if you're missing it or you're here for the first time, listen to this series because it, it paints that big picture. Oh, and um, you can also do it on a podcast uh, platform. And my pro tip for today um, is that if you listen online through YouTube, or podcasts, you can listen at double speed and I only talk for half as long. Uh, so, you probably wish you had that capacity here today, right? Anyway, so to help us answer this question, uh, why if the church is God's idea and God loves the world, is the church sometimes so tempting to just toss it in with? I want to do a little bit of myth busting today. And then I want to make a few key points to take away about the church. But let's look first at a key passage, which in the words of our earlier song, which we just sang, is about when the church of Christ was born and the Spirit lit the flame. Now, because it's a long passage, we're going to skip parts of it purely for the sake of time. And before we look at it, I just, just another quick sidebar. If you're new to the church, this passage comes from a part of the Bible we call the New Testament, which tells the story of Jesus from the perspective of his, of his close companions and eyewitnesses. And then the New Testament goes on to record the early years of the church as it exploded onto the scene in the context of the ancient Roman Empire. Now, Acts, as we call it, is the, the, the sequel uh, to, the, uh, to the stories told by those eyewitnesses. It tells the story of the early church, um, as told by Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And the sequel is set just after Jesus institutes the church and departs via what we call the ascension to be with God the Father. And some of these things have been referenced already this morning and are very familiar to those of us uh, who are in church often. Now, just place yourself for a moment, though, in the shoes of Jesus' first followers. You've witnessed these amazing events. First, his unexpected death with all of the disappointment and despair that that must have left you with. But then, remarkably, Jesus is alive again. An event you begin to refer to as his resurrection. He wasn't just sleeping. He was like really dead and then really alive. Like me in my early church days, but multiplied by 100 or 1,000 or 10,000, you'd be filled with unbounded newfound faith and enthusiasm. You'd want to tell everyone about this remarkable set of events. But you want to tell everyone, but Jesus says, wait a little while until what Jesus refers to as a baptism with the Holy Spirit comes. So we pick up the story at this point. 
And again, I'm going to skip parts uh, which are grayed out there just for the sake of time. When the day of Pentecost came, Pentecost was an, an old Jewish festival, the apostles, who were all Jews, were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit, that's the Spirit of God, enabled them. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. No microphones back then, so he's projecting. Uh, Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. This is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Notice there, the all people. He's a Jew quoting from the prophets, his own Old Testament prophets, that God had long promised to pour out his spirit, not just on the Jewish people, but on all people. Fellow Israelites, he continues. Listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders and signs which God did among you through him. This man, Jesus, was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. He was given to you by God and you nailed him to a cross. But that's not the end. God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep a hold on him. God has raised this Jesus to life and we're all witnesses of it. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. I know this is a bit long, but are you still with me? Okay, some of you heard it many times before, um, checking Facebook uh, and uh, maybe looking up the sermons from, so you can speed it up. Um, when, the Lord, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what do we do? Well, Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Those who accepted his message were baptized. And about 3,000 were added to their number that day. You might have heard me said before, when Peter preached his first sermon, 3,000 people were converted. Amazing. When I preached my first sermon, not so amazing. I think about three people snored. There was definitely a dozen uh, nodding off. Anyway, amazing scenes, right? Well, what happens next? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet in the temple courts. They broke bread in the homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added daily... Sorry, added to their number daily those who are being saved. Wow, there is something incredibly stirring about this passage, particularly that last bit on this slide here, isn't there? Uh, Particularly if you're a follower of Jesus, this kind of stirs up something, I think, in our hearts. Uh, Here in this chapter and other chapters around it, we see some of these kinds of things about what's happening at this very birth of the church, this pouring out of the Spirit as Jesus anticipated, this sort of 
boldness in their preaching, these sort of mass response to the preaching with people saying, gosh, that's, he is our Lord and Savior too. And then these miraculous signs and, and all of this is really, uh, I think Luke, the author of this, painting a picture of uh, the early church seeing the fulfillment of the promise to Abraham and to prophets like Joel that all nations on earth would be blessed. And there, we know there were many in the crowd from the rest of the story. We know there were many in the crowd from different parts of the world hearing, uh, the, hearing this good news in their own language um, and so on. But we also see this kind of vital spirituality, a community, a free giving and sharing and worshipping that seems really enticing um, for those of us uh, who know and love Jesus today. So it's probably no surprise then that this particular passage, right, I'm shifting into myth-busting mode here. Is that okay? Okay, I'll try and tread carefully. It's no surprise then that this particular passage has led many over the ensuing centuries to look back on those early days of the church as kind of the model church, a kind of pristine golden age, which we should seek to emulate, even restore in our own times. And that certainly was a teaching in the early days of my church going, that we had to somehow find a way to turn the clock back to be like that kind of early church in the first five minutes of its life. Uh, unfortunately, my first church only made it back to the 16th century, not to the first century, but um, we, we, try, we were trying. Now, all of this is really good and, and totally understandable instinct and aspiration. There's only one problem. It actually only lasted about five minutes. By the time we get three chapters later to Acts 5, we see that there is already deceit going on between believers about finances and resources and so on. By Acts 6, we see infighting and bickering over the distribution of, of goods. By Acts 11, there's criticism being made, even of the apostles that everyone was sort of in awe of uh, in these early minutes of the church. By Acts 15, there is these deep theological disputes that require arbitration, deep divisions within the community about what, what to do with the, you know, that, the law, so theological questions, how do we interpret the, those biblical texts. By Acts 16, we see a really sharp disagreement and a breakup of a key ministry partnership between Paul and Barnabas. And when we come to the book of Galatians, probably written uh, by Paul a year or two either side uh, of 50 AD, so very early, probably the first book written that is now in our New Testament, we see here that the church is dealing with these terrible factions, ethnic tensions, and an alarming disagreement again between Paul and Peter. And in the letter of 1 Corinthians, written just a few years later after Galatians, we again find Paul writing to try to address divisive factions, personality cults, lawsuits amongst believers, disorder, pride, spiritual elitism, dodgy theology, and a form of sexual immorality which would have even made the pagans around them blush. So finally, by the time we reach the book of Revelation, which may be written 40 or 50 years later, even the ascended Christ uh, himself says to some of the churches in Asia, I have this complaint against you. Wow, shocking, right? Now, my point here is not in any way to undermine our confidence in the church 
or the early church for that matter, quite the opposite in fact. Rather, it's to help us set realistic expectations about the church that we're part of today that has continuity with that church back then by busting the myth that somehow the church back then was some pure, pristine uh, kind of version of what we have now and somehow we could turn the clock back, things would be so different and everything would be okay. Now, the reason this matters, the reason why this is so important is that people have walked away from the church for many reasons, but many people, including my own parents, walked as young adults, walked away from the church because of the unrealistically high expectations they had. Like me, when I joined the band. And when those high unrealistic hopes came crashing down, they experienced disappointment with other Christians or the leaders in the church, the pastor, the church, bound to happen, probably happened already, uh, leading to disillusionment and frustration. Often those people find themselves heading to the nearest exit. And in so many cases, you can totally understand why. But we've got to have realistic expectations about this thing that we call the church. Even in the early years of its existence, the church was a hot mess of division and bad behavior. And yet, here we are. And in the early chapters and books of the Bible, we still see remarkable, miraculous, wondrous things were happening through this ragtag bunch of sometimes bickering, sometimes brilliant home churches, which began popping up all across the Roman Empire. Despite and in spite of the human division and disorder, and precisely through those things, these little colonies of a different kingdom within the Roman Empire, saw God doing something amazing. He was changing the world. These small groups of flawed and fallible people went from one room in one country to two countries, then 10 countries, then 20. And then within a century or two, there were tens of thousands of these small groups all around the world. Groups that were growing in size, growing in number. Because when the Spirit lit the flame, there was no stopping the fire, which would eventually spread to the heart of the empire and the ends of the earth. But the work was not yet done. Because God's loving work in the world, the fulfillment of His promise that all nations on earth would be blessed, his work to restore all that was lost and make things new didn't end with Christ's death and resurrection, nor did it end with the end of the Bible. We don't live in some pause in the program like an ad break on free-to-air telly, right? Or in the new Netflix tiers as well, there'll be ads, apparently. Because of his love for the world, he continues to work in the world through his spirit. And while he could and sometimes undoubtedly does work independently of us and our churches with all their kind of messiness, on the whole, for whatever reason in his wisdom, God had another idea. And that idea was to gather together small groups of people still growing up, still growing to maturity, still growing in faith, gather them together with all their sharp edges, and all their rough corners, or is it the other way around? Gather them together to create 
these little communities, which were colonies of a kingdom, come and coming and to come. And he calls these groups, or at least in the Greek, these groups are called the ecclesia, which means a gathering or an assembly. And he builds them up, including through that process of iron sharpening iron, and then he sends them out. They gather and then they go. They worship and then they witness. And it's true that there is something all too human about the church. Let's be real about that. Like any other human institution, it involves relationships, human activities and organizations and hierarchies, not to mention ambitions and anxieties. It's a sociological entity on one level. And like any human institution, it's sullied and stained by the selfishness and self-interest of the humans of which it is made up. But there is also something divine about the church. For all its humanity, it is the hands and feet of God's ongoing work by the Spirit in the world. As my friend, um, the Scottish theologian Paul Nimmo writes, only this activity that is of the Spirit allows the church to offer a true witness to Jesus in spite of its sin sinful tendencies and equivocal actions. So here's a few points just to kind of try and pull this all together with a few key kind of takeaways. Firstly, I think it's healthy to acknowledge that we're not in Kansas anymore, Toto. We can't wind the clock back. We can't go back to the first five minutes of the early church, a bubble which burst as soon as the first care packages were handed out by the apostles. Besides, God hasn't placed you and me in a Middle Eastern first century setting, but in 21st century Maryland, in my Fletcher and beyond, wherever it is that you live, in our local community or wherever you're watching from online today. Therefore, our calling isn't to try to be the church in a pre-industrial agrarian, agrarian artisan age. Our calling is to work out how to be the church here in the 21st century, carrying forward that flame from our previous generations, from those earliest, earlier centuries, but carrying it forward in the here and now and the challenges which we face. Secondly, despite plenty of evidence to the contrary, by God's grace, the church is still the vehicle for God's love for the world and the place of his presence in it. Karl Barth, the, the 20th century theologian, uh, described the church as, getting a little bit technical here, I hope you can follow the language, as the earthly, historical form of existence of Jesus Christ himself. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who was a contemporary of Karl Barth, described it slightly differently, but the spirit is the same. Christ existing as the church community. These are different ways of saying what the Apostle Paul said, which was, the church is the body of Christ. It's the place of his presence in the world as that body uh, is given life by the spirit. But just as Jesus himself is fully divine and fully human, we see from Scripture that even in the first century, not just the 21st century, the church is also both a divine and human entity, broken in its humanity, but still able to be filled and led by the Spirit for God's divine purposes. 
Because, point four, faith is a team sport. We need each other to grow and not grow cold. Like our New Vine Church soccer teams or other teams in the footy finals, go Cats. <laughs> I've got the microphone. <laughs> go Cats. Uh, just like in those teams, we need each other to, to, cheer, to cheer each other on, to help kick goals in our worship and our witness. A community of hundreds or even dozens has a far greater public presence than any individual, a far potential greater impact than any individual on a street corner. The witness of many is stronger than the witness of one, and the worship of many is more powerful than the worship of one. That's not to downplay the importance of us as individuals growing in our faith, worshipping and uh, sharing with our friends this wonderful news that we've been privileged to know and to carry. But how much more powerful is it when we do that together? And the, the Thousand Acts Initiative perhaps is an example. One individual act of community kindness is, is a wonderful thing. But what if we put those things all together and we do a thousand of them? Or 2,000 or 10,000? Or even 150, um, which I think is we're about, no. We're about, we're at, no. We've got about that many. I'm sure there's been a lot more of those um, that haven't been written down. So how much more powerful is it when we work and witness together? And finally, the church also acts, I think, as a challenge to that kind of intense individualism and autonomy of today's culture. An individualism which has infected even our faith today. Our songs, they frequently talk about my experience, my personal relationship with God, my preferences when it comes to church. And I think AJ would say something like this, that we've reduced the we to the me a little bit too often. The church, therefore, reminds us that the Christian faith can't be sung solo. Worship, communion, community, and character formation are communal activities. We're spiritually spurred on and built up by doing life together despite our differences. And when our real selves have nowhere to hide, the church is the place where we are shaped a little bit more over the long term into Christ-likeness and into his body. Which brings me back to the beginning. Somehow, um, with that one unfortunate exception uh, that I mentioned, somehow all of us in the band, we, we stuck it out. And not just despite it all, but because of it all, something beautiful happened through this team of temperamental musos. Mostly mental, partly temper as well. We grew up, a little at least. We grew in our faith, we grew in our character, in our capacity to navigate difference and disagreement. And we shared some good news with other teenagers wondering what on earth life is all about. None of us could have had that impact alone. But we also became friends. Friends who shared experiences uh, and, cre and out of that shared experience created a bond that ran deeper than our differences. In fact, a few years ago, we got together again for an anniversary um, band reunion. And I remember being struck. Uh, I was... Oh, I haven't actually. I'm sorry. A proxy photo there. Um, it's probably out there on Facebook somewhere, but don't go looking. Um, we got together... And I remember being struck all these years later by this deep sense of gratitude and appreciation, even love that I had for this uh, group of fellow travellers. It was, 
it was an enduring love forged in the fire of conflict and forgiveness and shared experience and finding ways together to live and work and worship and witness despite all of our humanness. Now, the, mer- the church is still a mixed bag of human and divine elements. Uh, and some might say a mixed bag of nuts uh, at times as well. But per- perhaps precisely because of it all... Because, because of <laughs> it's... <laughs> Just going to rewind and start that again. If you're watching on YouTube, uh, just just fast forward. Um, precisely because of its all too human brokenness, the church can say to others, "We are beggars who found a feast. We are broken people who've tasted of a wholeness to come. Poor people who found a treasure." of inestimable worth. For whatever reason, God continues his loving work in the world by working in us, gathering us together into group homes, rehab units for humans, you might call them, and then sending us out into our community, our families, our workplaces, our schools, our universities, etc. So, Here are some practical suggestions to bring this all together. Firstly, let me encourage you, if your hand's on the exit, emergency exit, let me encourage you to to press in rather than pulling back from the church. The team needs you. And dare I say it, you need the team. If you're here for the first time or what you thought might be the last time, can I encourage you to, to come back again? We need you. We are better because you're here. Secondly, maybe also put your hand up, not just on the exit handle. If you spot a problem with the church, then help us find a hack to fix it. Let us know about it, sure, but even better than just sort of saying, oh, don't like this. Say, oh, I've been thinking. Maybe if I did this, that would help. Or maybe if we did this together, it would help. And thirdly, and this goes back to my key point earlier, don't expect perfection, at least not yet. Even the church of Acts 2 became the, Acts 2 became the church of Acts 5, 6, 7 and beyond. And the day will come when the church does become the beautiful bride adorned for a groom that the book of Revelation talks about. In the meantime, we and she, the church, are a work in progress. But fourthly, invite someone in to this glorious mess. There was some research recently by the National Church Life Survey and they talked to a bunch of people who'd started following Jesus just in the last five years and they found something really interesting. Uh, They found that the single highest response to the question, what contributed most to you becoming Christian was participation in a worship service. Isn't that interesting? It's crazy. It's crazy. We often think of sharing the gospel as something that happens out there. But it seems that the most effective encounters with Christ still happen here, in church services. That's what happened to me. If it's true even in a tiny church with music barely worthy of the name and all sorts of crazy ways of reading the Bible, how much more can it happen here, even if the pastor is still a work in progress, I have to say. So why not invite someone to come along? We as a staff are trying our hardest 
to create a space that is welcoming. And I, shouldn't, I should say, not just the staff, but our welcome team are amazing. Our music team, our production team, our kids volunteers, volunteers in other ways. We're trying to create a space where people feel welcome. We try to break down the barriers between those uh, who, um, who've been here for a long time and the newcomer, so it doesn't feel alienating. Um, so we're trying, working hard on that. We would love you to invite someone along. More research by the National Church Life Survey recently found that actually about five in ten, ten Australians, if they were invited to church, would he said that they would either definitely or probably come, or at least weren't opposed to the idea. So that's a 50% strike rate. <laughs> Why not invite someone and let us partner with you and do a lot of the hard work on this end um, of helping people hear and know about Jesus? Well, let's pray. God, thanks that you so love the world that it didn't stop with the cross and resurrection and the ascension of Jesus. But you handed it on to us. Seems like a bit of a crazy idea. But when we think about it, we can see that despite all of our humanness, this thing called the church has spread throughout the world, throughout the centuries. Sometimes it makes a mess of things. And yet, you work through it, you're present through it, and your spirit is working in people's lives even today because of it. Where that's the case, we give you the glory. Where things go wrong, we accept responsibility, Lord, and ask for your forgiveness. But what a privilege to partner in this way with you. Junior partners, to be sure. But what a privilege that you've entrusted to us to be the hands and feet, eyes and ears, heart and body of Jesus in our world today. Holy Spirit, would you pour out afresh on us? Those of us who say we're followers of Jesus and want to be followers of Jesus are trying to be followers of Jesus, would you pour your spirit out on us afresh? We surrender ourselves to you today so that your loving work in the world would continue and many people would come to know that they are so loved. We pray and we sing now in Jesus' name. Amen.